Father, thank you so much that you're with us just now. God, thank you that um, you're with me here and you're with everyone joining, wherever they're listening, wherever they're joining from. You know our lives, Father. And God, thank you, you have a good plan for us. Lord, thank you for your incredible eternal love. And I thank you for the Bible. Thank you, it's your word, it's your book, it's scripture. And I pray, God, you make it alive to us just now as we turn to it. Speak to us, challenge us when necessary, encourage us, feed us, we pray. In the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Today I'm going to be speaking to you about the highly important and, and sensitive subject of anger. We all struggle with it. I mean, one of the things I battle with, it's not heavyweight anger, but you get it. You're driving along and you're stuck behind someone who's like doing hardly any speeds when they should be going faster. You know, always what I remind myself is my, my dear father passed away a couple of weeks ago. And I always, I always think, okay, it could be my dad. Okay, so whenever I'm behind someone who's going really slow, it could be my dad. And that helps me deal with my frustration in that moment. And, you know, my dad was the slowest driver on the road. Honestly, he absolutely was. My brother-in-law, uh, at the beginning of the year, he was up visiting him in February, and he went out for a, with a drive, and dad was driving, and he was on the motorway doing 37 miles an hour on the motorway. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. So anyway... Uh, I always remind myself, if I get frustrated when I'm driving, it could be my dad. Chill out. <laughs> Do you struggle with anger? Jesus addresses anger head on, and, it's, and, and he actually shows us how serious anger can be in the sight of God. So hang with me. These are strong words from Jesus. You might find them challenging, but hang with me. You're going to receive a message of life. All right, I'm going to kick off in Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is verse 17 onwards. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And I'm going to come back to that verse at the end of the message. Verse 20. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's scary because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were the most religious people going and again, I'm going to come back to that verse at the end of the message. And then he, go, he continues. And this is where he speaks about anger. Verse 21. You have heard that it is said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, I tell you, <clears throat> whoever says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And whoever says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge hands you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Wow, really strong words from Jesus. And uh, he's telling us about how anger is such a serious thing in the sight of God. Anger. Well, there's good anger, and there's wrong anger. Good anger. We, Jesus himself got angry. We see him driving out the people buying and selling in the temple courts. He got really angry because 
people were using religion as a way of making money from people, and not just a way of making money, but a way of making money from the poorest of the poor and people from other races. So Jesus got angry because they were using religion to make money, they were oppressing the poor, and they were racist. And all those things, 2,000 years ago, they upset Jesus, and today they still upset Jesus. And today we see righteous anger. It's right to be angry at certain things. So this week, Jacob Blake, terrible. On the news, Jacob Blake, a precious black man in America, shot seven times in the back in front of his kids. Thankfully, he survived, but it, it looks like just now he's going to be paralyzed. That's, it's, it's right to be angry against injustice. There's a right anger. And the Bible actually shows us that God, on many occasions, <clears throat> gets angry. And he's never impure in his motives. He's perfectly just. However, there's also a wrong anger. And this is the wrong anger that Jesus is describing. The word Jesus uses here in the Greek words, in the Greek language, is pronounced orgidzo. And this word orgidzo, anger, it translates and it means a simmering anger that a person nurtures and refuses to let die. A long-standing grudge, a smoldering bitterness. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's not just someone who talk, he's talking about who's really upset about an injustice. It's talking about someone who just holds on to it refuses to forgive. It becomes, it morphs into a bitterness, and that's what Jesus is addressing. So let me give you four impacts that anger will have negatively on your life. Number one, anger damages you personally. Uh, the prize for the most useless weapon of all time goes to the Russians. Uh, the Russians designed a dog mine uh, during World War II, and they trained dogs to associate the underside of tanks with food. So, you know, before they entered the war, the dogs got used to, oh, a tank, there must be food under there. So they, they trained them to associate the underside of tanks with food. And what they did was, uh, when they entered the war, they strapped mines to these poor dogs. You know, uh, I don't mind the nice ones, but it, it probably, I don't mind if it's a Jack Russell or something like that, a really annoying little dog. But poor dogs, okay, strapped mines to these dogs and sent them off into the battlefield. Day one of Russia entering the war, the plan miserably failed because the dogs only associated Russian tanks with foods, not the panzer tanks of the Germans. So the dogs ran out into the battlefield and started running towards the Russian tanks and it literally routed an entire division of Russian tanks. The worst invention of all time. <laughs> but you might think, well, why on earth are you telling me this? Well, it's like bitterness. Bitterness backfires every time. You think bitterness is designed to, I'm not going to forgive that person, like you're hurting them, but the reality is bitterness damages you. This is what it says in Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion, and that word passion in the Hebrew translates anger, envy, jealousy or rivalry is rottenness to the bones. Many people, their physical ailment literally comes because of bitterness in their soul. I mean, that's not just in the Bible. That's, that's proven in research and in studies and in science. People's bitterness, aggravation of heart, refusing to let go of those resentments, manifests in not just a 
mental health issues, but physical health issues as well. Uh, Dr. S.I. McMillan, in his book, None of These Diseases, identified 51 illnesses that can be directly caused by anger. So anger damages you. Secondly, anger damages those around you. <clears throat> it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, See to it that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble so that by it many be defiled. Many be defiled. See, a root is something that's hidden. And when someone's carrying a hidden bitterness, that root of bitterness in their soul, just like any root, the root becomes a shoot and the shoot becomes a tree. And before you know it, the tree becomes a forest and people all around someone who's carrying bitterness start to be affected. As the old adage goes, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people carrying bitternesses, typically around their lives, is a trail of broken relationships and people that you've gone on to hurt. You might feel, I'm that person, I'm carrying bitterness, I don't, I don't want it, and thank God in these verses that you're going to find some answers but you, you're aware that the bitterness you're carrying actually is spilling over. Or maybe you've just become aware, wow, that's what's been going on, that the bitterness in your soul starts to affect others around you. <clears throat> the truth is that hurt people hurt people, and God wants you to be a whole person. And God's going to help you, in Jesus' name, to be a whole person. His power is going to empower you to be a whole person, not a hurt person. And, uh, you know, it, it, way back in 1994, there was a there was an article written uh, entitled War, War's Lethal Leftovers Threatens Europeans. And the article describes, uh, let, me read, let me read you the excerpt from it, the bombs of World War II are still killing in Europe. They turn up, sometimes blow up, at construction sites, in fishing nets, or on beaches. After, years after the guns have fallen silent, Hundreds of tons of explosive are recovered every year in France alone. 13 old bombs exploded in France last year, killing 12 people and wounding 11. The Interior Ministry said <clears throat> the unexploded bombs become more dangerous with time because with, with, with the corrosion inside, the weapons become more unstable and the detonator can be exposed. And it's exactly the same when you're carrying bitterness. You, you're burying that bitterness down over time. It doesn't lessen, it doesn't get healed, it just gets worse. And before you know it, there's a blow up and people around you are devastated. Buried anger will explode when you least expect it. And the tragedy is, we've seen during this time of lockdown, uh, the UN report a 20% global increase in domestic abuse during this time of lockdown. And that's just terrible because people are carrying things and they're hurting people around them. And if, if you've been subject to that or you've been a perpetrator of that, God wants to intervene today. God wants to speak to you in his love. Number three, anger makes you spiritually vulnerable. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, 26 and 27, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. You see, what anger does is spiritually affects the spiritual realm. Not only does anger stop you hearing from God and stop your prayers being answered, it hinders you and God, it closes the door to God, 
But actually what anger does is it opens the door to darkness. It opens the door literally to the devil and demonic spirits. Someone who's angry is, subject, is, is susceptible to demonic influences touching their life. So you've got to close that door. We've got to close that door and I'll bring you to the answer as we go forward. And then number four, <clears throat> anger damages the image of God. It's an interesting one. Let's go back to the verses that we read at the beginning. Jesus speaking, Matthew 5, 22, and he says this, I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And, and again, in a similar vein, in 1 John 3:15, the apostle John writes and says, anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. Isn't it interesting, an earthly court would, put, would punish you, would call you to account for murder, but not for anger. But the heavenly court apparently calls us to account for not, not just the action, but actually the very intention itself. God places on a par with murder. This anger is very serious in the sight of God. Why would God place anger on a par with murder? Well, why is murder wrong? Okay, right, the answer's in the Bible. Let's go back. In Genesis chapter 9, verses 5 to 6, I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. For in the image of God, God has made mankind. The reason God holds people to account for murder is that we've been created in the image of God. We're not just animals. We're of a different creational order. We were created separately, uniquely from the rest of the animals. We are distinct and unique. We've been created in the image of God. We carry very divine attributes within ourselves. And God says, if you kill a human being, you're coming against the very image of God. You see, God views human beings and you should view human beings as incredibly precious. You have been created in the image of God. You are incredibly precious. And bitterness is not treating another human being as precious in your heart. That's why it's so serious to God. Now, Jesus addressed this, and he said, listen, don't even insult another person. He used the, used the phrase raka, uh, which means literally you airhead or you empty head or you idiot, and then you fool. And that's to describe someone as a worthless person. And Jesus is saying, if you use these phrases, if you, if you express your anger towards another human being, what you're doing is you're, you're treating as unprecious, as worthless, someone who is very worth, who is very, very valuable, who is very, very special. And it's a contradiction to the way God created us. Many people in the culture we're living in don't insult you to your face. What they do is instead they gossip about you. They, they talk to everyone else about you. But that's just the same. It's just as devastating. You are describing someone created in the image of God negatively to another person. We've got to wind that in, folks. We've got to rein that in. We've got to honor people. We've got to love people with our words. We've got to speak well of them, whether they're present or not present. <clears throat> the challenge we've got today in social media as well is people are, people are almost emboldened to kind of, I'm going to speak my mind. And if, if you read any, if you click on it, like, for example, a tweet 
from a, a celebrity or from a politician. You click on a tweet and look at the replies they get. I'm appalled continually at the way that people just totally deride politicians, say the most hate-filled things against human beings created in the image of God. I'm not saying we should always agree with them, but disagree respectfully. Don't get into this kind of slander battle. I, you don't need to agree with their politics to love the person. You don't need to agree with their stance in life to love the person. Uh, but whatever happens, don't get into aggressive, slanderous speech. And that's what Jesus is addressing here. I remember as, as a kid, I used to get into quite a few fights. I'm not proud to say. Uh, one of them, I remember, I used to win most of my fights, okay? But one of them I didn't win. And it was a, it was a wee guy, a guy called Thomas Doherty. I, I remember him. He lived in, in the village near me. And he was a wee guy. I was a slightly bigger guy. Uh, we got into, I can't remember why we got into a fight, but we got into fisticuffs. We got into a fight. And, and I should have had him because I was bigger. But he just refused to get beat. And actually, he had boxing training, okay? So because he had boxing training, he had this endurance that I didn't have. I was starting to fight, and I was getting really tired. And I went from being the dominant person to becoming really fatigued. But he still had this fight in him. And then after a while, he's, I ended up with a bloody nose and a black eye, and I was utterly beaten by this young guy. Because he had boxing training, he could endure. He, could, he, he had this perseverance that I didn't have. He had this fitness I didn't have. Um, but I have to tell you, I'm 44 years old, and I don't lie awake at night thinking about, mm, if only I'd done a kind of uppercut or if I'd come out this way. I don't, I don't kind of run that through in my mind, you know, years later. However, as a 44-year-old, for years later, I can remember insults. Because when someone attacks you physically, they're damaging your body. But when someone insults you or slanders you, you're actually damaging their soul. And that's what Jesus is saying. The reason it's so serious in the sight of God is because human beings are serious in the sight of God. They're very, very precious. You are very precious. The people around you are very, very precious. So we've got to handle with care. James 3, 9. With our tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And I say amen to that. This should not be. God is serious about anger because God is serious about you. So how do you resolve with others and how do you resolve this with God? So first of all, how do you resolve your anger problem with other people? Jesus starts by addressing anger in our own hearts. He talks about our anger and how it's, it's on a par with murder as far as God's concerned. But then he, he flips, and then he starts to address how we interact with someone else. He now speaks about not just our anger towards someone else, but now he speaks about someone's anger towards us. Listen to this, verse 23. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, First, go and be reconciled to them and come, then come and offer your gift. You might think, that's, that's kind of strange. I get, that we would be, I get that we would be responsible for our own anger. I get that, okay? I've, I've had anger. I've had a bitterness in my heart. Toward, I, I need to take responsibility for that. However, how on earth can I be responsible for someone else's anger towards me? You know, that's not my problem. That's their problem. But Jesus says, no, no, it's your problem. 
why would God say their anger against you is also your problem? You know, as, as, I, was, as I was reflecting on these, these verses, I was, uh, I was prompted, I was thinking, is there someone, I'm, I'm coming to preach on Sunday, but wait a minute, before I offer my gift at the altar, is there someone who's got a problem with me? And just as I was thinking about it, I actually came to my mind a couple, a precious couple who used to be in our church here in Edinburgh. I haven't seen them for a few years now. And I, I was just aware, I was just aware, I think they have a problem with me. I think that they are carrying unresolved things in their heart towards me. Now, I never meant to hurt them, but they felt hurt. So as I was preparing for this message, I actually thought, I mean, if I'm going to ask you folks to do this, I've got to do it. So I, so I got in touch with them, left them a message and said, I, I just want you to know, I think you were offended by the way I treated you. I think, I think you're carrying something in your heart towards me. And I, and I just want to say, if I ever made you feel that way, I am deeply sorry. That's the last thing that I would want. Please forgive me. Now, that's nothing to do with whether I meant to. That's nothing to do with uh, the day misunderstanding. Nothing to do with that. Just simply... I'm really sorry that I made you feel that way. And it wasn't half an hour before I got a message straight back saying, it was so nice to hear your voice and what you said meant the world to us. It was incredibly healing for us. So let's go back to the question. Why would Jesus now say that you're responsible for how they respond to you? That we, we, we say, hey, their problem's their problem, it's not my problem, but no, no. Jesus saying, no, no, their problem with you is your problem. Why would he say that? Here's why. Because God loves them, and God wants them to be free, and you ought to want them to be free as well. And the fact that that person said to me that was incredibly healing, I suddenly realized, wow, it wasn't just that it's not my problem. Actually, I get to bless that person by letting them hear words that would really help them. And you get to do the same. So, you see, life isn't just about us, right? We kind of live in a bubble. We think, it's all about me. It's not all about me. God wants us to glorify God and love other people. And that's what this verse is about, treating people well. Just uh, in the last, uh, last month, my dad, as you know, passed away a couple of weeks ago. And just in the last month, his neighbor, who, they'd be, you know, years ago, they got on really well. But latterly, the neighbor and dad didn't get on very well uh, there, there was a kind of thing to do with not parking outside dad's house. Dad, he didn't like dad's friends leaving cars outside of dad's house. And it was just one of those things. And this was a real source of animosity. And it really troubled dad. Dad didn't like it. He didn't want it. And, uh, and, and yet it was there. But in the last couple of weeks of dad's life, the neighbor, it was just a God thing. Uh, the neighbor just came across and said, you know what? I realize I've treated you really badly. Please forgive me. And they shook hands. And uh, it, it was just a beautiful thing to see that reconciliation. And I, I just want to encourage you. You might think, oh, it's their problem. And do you know what? You can't go around. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how many people I've had. I, I preach every Sunday. Thousands of people join us and, through podcasts. And so I don't know. Maybe I've offended you. Forgive me if I've offended you. I don't know how many people have offended. I, I, you can't be responsible for every single situation. But there might be times when God draws to your attention one or two. And you think, actually, no. God's putting it in my heart. I, I, need to make, I need to build that bridge. I need to make that step forward. So how do you deal with your bitterness? Well, first of all, you've got to choose to forgive. 
You've got to choose to forgive. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are withholding forgiveness from someone else, almost like a punishment. You think, if I can't just forgive them, because that's going to let them away with it. It's almost like, almost you think that by not forgiving them, they're being punished. But it's not true. Remember point number one? Bitterness damages you. It doesn't touch them. It damages you. So some of you are withholding it because you're trying to punish them. Some of you are withholding it because you think by forgiving someone, you're saying, oh, it's okay, what you did was fine. And you know that what they did wasn't fine. None of that, but that's a misunderstanding. You forgiving someone isn't saying that what they did was fine. Furthermore, some of you are waiting for them to ask for forgiveness before you give it. And so you're, you're saying, I'll wait for them. to. They've got to come to me and ask forgiveness. But what if, right? What if they never ask for your forgiveness? You're going to be stuck in that prison all your days. What if that day never comes? What if they never acknowledge that what they did was wrong? Or partially acknowledge what they did was wrong? You might still be in a prison of bitterness. The good news is this. You can forgive. You can choose to forgive. When Jesus was hanging and dying for the world on the cross. He prayed, Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus, and do you know what? When, they, when Jesus, it wasn't like the people at the foot of the cross were saying, oh, what have we done? They weren't repenting for their sins. They were still mocking him and cursing him. And yet Jesus, he wasn't waiting for them to ask for forgiveness. He just granted it anyway. You are in power. This is good news for you. You might not feel like good news, but it's really good news. You are empowered. You can choose to forgive. Don't wait till you feel like forgiving. Your feelings might not come. In fact, even after you forgive, you might not feel good about what you've just done. Forget your feelings. Your feelings always lead you into trouble. Live by conviction instead. Choose to forgive. Treat them, secondly, like they're forgiven. So maybe you've forgiven someone, but now you've got to start treating them like they're forgiven. And that's the hard bit. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 28, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. <clears throat> the word bless means to speak well of. So you, 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 some, someone's hurt you, and it might be they continue to hurt you, but in your heart you've forgiven them. Here's how you continue to live every day then. You just continue to bless them from then on. Okay, I forgive them, and I'm going to bless them. Lord, bless that person. Give them a good day. Cheer them up. They're pretty grumpy. Pray for them. Pray blessing. Pray for blessing on those who have hurt you. Maybe hurt you in the most devastating ways. Now, this doesn't mean that you'll trust them. Just because you've forgiven someone doesn't mean that, hey, welcome into my family. No, they might not be trustworthy. But you can forgive them. It doesn't mean you won't call 999 and get them arrested. But you still can forgive them. It doesn't mean you become a walkover or a doormat. But you do forgive them. This is important. It says in Proverbs 17, verse 9, whoever covers an offense, sorry, covers and forgives an offense, seeks love. But he who repeats or harps on about a matter separates even close friends. So when you've forgiven the person, don't keep bringing it up. Don't keep reminding them of it. Just leave it. Just leave it. It's like someone said, well, whenever my wife gets angry, she gets historical. And his friend said, no, you mean hysterical? said, no, no, I mean historical. She just reminds me of all the things every time I've done it before. Okay, I'm, ladies, I'm just kidding you. You're not like that. But hey, some people are like that where they just keep bringing up the stuff from the past. Let it be in the past. Walk forward. Don't repeat the matter. Bless. 
and forgive. Who do you need to forgive today? The final, where I want to land, I talked about resolving things with others, but now let me talk about resolving things, most importantly, with God. Let me take you back to the verses. Verse 20, Jesus said this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) I mean, at this point, your jaw should drop. You won't get into heaven because you're not as good as a Pharisee. I mean, do you know what the Pharisees were like? They were like the most religiously upright, most moralistic individuals on earth. They were tickety-boo. They just ticked all the boxes. They were so religiously pious. You think, God, what chance do I have? I mean, if I I can't measure up to that. And yet, here's the point. They were religious, and religion focuses on bad fruit. Jesus was focusing on the bad root. You see, these same Pharisees who seemed so pious on the outside, they would never murder anyone, but in their hearts, they wanted to murder Jesus continually. You read the Gospels, you will discover as we go through Matthew's Gospel, the ones who (coughs) were constantly having it in for Jesus were the Pharisees, the ones who appeared so religious on the outside, but in their heart, they were corrupt. You see, Jesus's interested in relationship on the inside, whereas they were interested in religion on the outside. And then, so he said, your your righteousness has got to surpass the the scribes and the Pharisees. You think, wow, to get into heaven, I've got to have high-level righteousness? Yes, you do. But how is that possible? Here's how it's possible. Let's look at the other verse I started with, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. How did Jesus fulfill the law and the prophets? And the answer is Jesus perfectly obeyed, not just outwardly, but inwardly perfectly obeyed the law of God in every detail. He is the, in fact, he's the only person who's ever lived, who lived with a perfect record. His record was impeccable. No sin, no sin. But the Bible says, in Romans chapter 8, this is what it says about, this is what Jesus did for us. It says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, in sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What's that saying? It's saying, What the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, here's what the law could not do. Couldn't make me righteous. I look at my life and think, sin, 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 bad motive, bad action, bad attitude, treated people badly, thought dumb thoughts. This is my life. It's a sinful life. The record of my life. The law could not make me right with God, could not get me to heaven by my obedience. I'm not good enough. But what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, my flesh, God did. When Jesus came into the world, Jesus lived an impeccable life. Every detail, every thought, every motive, he was utterly sin-free. And here's the point. When Jesus went and died on the cross, he took my record of my sins upon himself. He paid the price for all the sins I've committed. And in exchange, he gave me his record. We swapped records. He gave me his righteousness. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf. 
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus took my sin upon himself. I can take his righteousness upon me. We swap records. So now in the sight of God, I am declared righteous. Jesus' obedience has become my acceptance. His perfect sacrifice has become my forgiveness. He took my hell, I get his heaven. He took my sin, I get his righteousness. That's how your righteousness will surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees. You will have the righteousness of God given to you as a gift. And that's not religion, that's a gift from God. Isn't that good news? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for every single last person joining here today at Church Online. I know you love them, God. I know you're with them right now. Come mighty Holy Spirit, let them know your presence with them right now, right where they are. Let them feel your presence, let them know your love, draw very close to them. Father, for the people battling to forgive, I pray give them the strength right now. God, let them be wise enough not to wait to feel like forgiving. Give them the conviction just to make the choice. Make the choice to forgive. If that's you today and you know that you're carrying bitterness in your heart towards another human being, step out before God. Make the choice. God, I'm, I'm choosing now in your presence to forgive that person. Go for it. Make that choice. Take a moment to pray. For those of you who have forgiven people, but you just can't get what they did out of your minds, it's now time for you to learn in the presence of God just to start blessing them. So now why don't you start taking a moment just to start praying for people who have hurt you. Do you know what? It might not feel easy to do that. It might feel counterintuitive. But hey, don't go with that vengeful bitterness. You've got to fight against it. It's time now to bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who've mistreated you. So take a moment to pray blessing on them. This might be the hardest thing you've ever done. For those of you who are aware, you know what? I've offended people. You need to go and ask forgiveness. For those of you who are aware that people are offended by you and God's just prompting you, you've got to reach out. Then today, don't wait any longer. Today, send a message, send an email, make the phone call, put things right. For those of you who've been battling with anger, maybe, to be honest, you've been a hurt person who's been hurting others. God wants to liberate you today. He first of all wants you to know his grace and he wants to liberate you from your own anger because it's hurting people around you. Right now, open your heart to God. You might need to ask forgiveness from those you've hurt and then ask for help from pastors or help from people around you to to get the journey going forward so that you can live free and walk free. So make a moment, pray, respond to God. And while people are doing that, I'm aware, maybe you're joining us today and here's the most important prayer. You're not yet right with God, but you can be. You're aware of your sin. You're aware your sin is so big. But here's the good news I've told you today. Jesus offers you a gift. It's his perfect record given to you because your imperfect record was given to him. Do you want that exchange today? Do you want that righteousness that God offers? If that's you, this moment's for you. Pray this prayer with me. Just one line at a time. Let's pray. This is your moment to ask God to be your savior. Say, dear God, thank you for loving me. 
Jesus, thank you for dying in my place so that I can be forgiven and have eternal life. I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. Take first place in my heart. I declare that Jesus is Lord of my life from now on. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. Amen. As you prayed that prayer, God has heard your prayer. He accepts you. His gift has now been given to you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The past is forgiven. You're right with God. And with God's power, he's going to empower you to live right with people as well. God bless you. Thanks for joining today.